Hello and welcome to another edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. This podcast is proudly provided by Axon, helping dealers move more iron for almost 100 years. Find out more at axontire.com. Axon was started almost 100 years ago out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. It's that same passion that drives them today. With a vision for a better experience for both farmer and dealer, they set out to create a better way to move more iron. When you partner with Axon, you get immediate access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. Axon carries all major brands and sizes of tires, wheels, and tracks. From custom colors and sizes to fully customized wheels, you can have the solution for virtually any problem today's farmer is trying to solve. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving iron. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Moving Iron Podcast Markets with Chip Nellier. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is proudly provided by Axon, helping dealers move more iron for the last 100 years. Find out more at axontire.com and TractorZoom delivering insights. If you're looking for a great place to see what's going on in the auction market and also see what auction inventories look like, TractorZoom's Iron Comps is a great place to find that. If you're a dealer or farmer that's looking to have that service at their fingertips when they're looking at buying and selling equipment, go to uh, at checkout, use Moving Iron, and you'll get yourself a nice little discount. Chip is with Blue Reef Agri-Marketing out of Morton, Illinois, and Chip is nice enough to come on once a week to sit down and talk about what's going on in the markets. And Chip, man, we've had, uh, since we talked last, we had a bit of a, a cold spell come through, and uh, <laughs> to, say, to say the least. And uh, I think that's an understatement. <laughs> but there's uh, there's been a lot of things that came out of that, not just here in the States, but also in the Black Sea region. So let's talk about wheat for a little bit and see what that looks like. So we had this historic unprecedented cold snap that uh it was it was unprecedented because of the depth and reach of the cold snap not so much that it was cold um if you live in minnesota this is this is nothing out of the ordinary but if you live in texas it sure is something out of the ordinary so i guess as you take a look what's going on in the wheat belt and in the wheat market in the areas that are growing wheat and the stuff that's going on there wheat might have a little bit of trouble come uh, come spring if this uh, winter kill is as bad as we think it might be. Yeah, that's that's the uh, that's the unfortunate part of, of this. Well, there's there's many like uh, li- like you mentioned. There's many ramifications of of this uh, cold temperatures, right? And, and you know, you're talking sub zero temperatures um, deep into Texas. Right. So, you know, you get further north there in the main part of the wheat belt, and and it's pretty extreme. And there was some snow cover in some areas, but that's what the wheat market now is, um, you know, going to grapple with until spring and, uh, you know, how much damage was done, how we're going to come out of dormancy. Uh, was there any winter kill? There's going to be big questions in the market's mind now, and they, and they probably won't be answered, you know, this week or next week. It's going to take a while to figure that out. Wheat market responding higher, uh, you know, as, as, uh, you would expect it to in the overnight here, we had a long weekend with no markets for president's day. So, um, last night, uh, Monday night was the first time that we, um, you know, the markets were were open on the grain side anyway since Friday. So uh, a lot to digest there with this weather. It seemed like 
forecasters knew it was going to be cold, but um, you know the magnitude of the of the cold and and some of the amounts of snow seemed like it was a little bit of a a shock to the system and, and a surprise even to uh, a lot of forecasters. And, and so uh, that's going to be something that's in the the wheat market's mind now. I think the bottom side, um, you know, the downside was limited in in wheat anyway, and this will go a long way towards making sure that. Uh, we don't uh, likely go a whole lot lower. It doesn't mean we're going to go screaming higher, but the, the downside is probably limited until we know more uh, winter kill. There's some early estimates, and, and that's all they are, is just a total uh, dart throw shot in the dark. But, you know, that there could be, um, you know, 15 to 30% of the wheat in Oklahoma uh, and, and Kansas and, and that Texas Panhandle area could have some type of, of winter kill and, and yield reductions. But again, that's just, you know, an early estimate, uh, uh, that I have seen and, and, you know, but that's kind of what the market's going to be expecting here. You throw that on top of this, uh, export tax ban, whatever they've got going right. on yeah. in Russia. Yep. And I'm not sure anyone knows. I'm not sure they even know yet. Um, you know, it's one thing, one day, one thing, the next it's, it's, a, it's a tax, it's a ban. It's, uh, it's temporary. It's permanent. I'm not sure what is going on in Russia, uh, uh, but something is, and, and that's likely, again, not going to be negative to wheat prices um, going forward, uh, and who knows when we're going to know what uh, the details are with what they've, they've got going on. I mean, I think that a lot of it um, is known that there's some sort of, of tax implementation going on, 70 uh, euros per ton it looks like uh with some of the initial talk and then it was 70 percent of anything over uh 200 a ton and by the end of this week it might be you know nine different things but something is going on there as far as a, a tax situation to to limit exports out of russia at least temporarily and that's typically not a negative development for prices i mean just the, the depth of this the storm that came through and i mean i'm, I'm sure everyone listening to this is, has seen this already but i mean when you're having multi-color pileups in el paso texas because of snow and ice and they're closing down i-10 and you know i-10 runs along i mean from texas i mean that runs basically from el paso over to houston you know that's kind of how it runs across the southern kind of tip of texas and then runs across the the Gulf of Mexico and uh, right along there, but they were closing down I-10, and I mean the depth of this storm and, and the power of this storm, I think was way more than what like you just like you said it was way more than what what weather forecasters had anticipated, and it was I think this this come this spring we're going to see more than just some wheat damage here. I mean two years ago in 19 when we had those two polar vortexes in March I think or whenever it was three months later to what we saw with with cattle health you know with pneumonias and different kinds of 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 respiratory diseases that come out of that so I mean I guess as you take a look at these kind of things and these kind of storms in your uh in your professional career doing what you've been doing like what are some of the reactions that you see come out of these kind of storms other than just like the typical winter kill talk and those kind of things? Yeah. You know, I think the, uh, the livestock uh, side of it, um, can't be understated either. I think you hit the nail on the head <clears throat> there. I think the other thing that's, that's kind of readily apparent out of this is the energy side, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, gr green energy, uh, great, a lot of windmill capacity in Texas, but, um, you know, the beginning of this storm, it was, it was ice right? and, you know, shut down a lot of the 
uh, electrical, uh, electricity generating capacity, um, or, or, um, you know, potential that they have there because they couldn't run the windmills because of the ice. Uh, the ice also messes with, uh, natural gas production. You have whole, uh, you know, large energy oil companies talking about and, and shutting down uh, refinery capacity because of the cold weather. I mean, it was sub-zero wind chill in Houston, Texas. You know, just you think right. about that for a minute. Houston, Texas, right. sub-zero wind chills. Uh, mind-boggling how how cold and how far south that went. So the whole energy sector, you know, you're talking about rolling blackouts yep. in, in Texas. Um, does that, you know, kind of uh, eventually make its way to uh, the, the ethanol side with increased, uh, you know, ethanol usage as, as we, uh, try to, you know, get by and, and get through this, uh, kind of energy crunch type situation that's going on. That's a possibility. I mean, this thing is, uh, is just crazy. There's probably some things that we haven't even uh, thought of right now, but, uh, it's, it's, uh, hopefully a, uh, you know, once in a generation type, uh, situation that, uh, we're, we're having here and, can get through this without, you know, a whole lot of, uh, human suffering. I, you know, it's that cold and you have rolling blackouts, even if it's for a half hour, 45 minutes, uh, it's not a good situation. So, I mean, a lot of effects of this storm from the energy side, from the, from the, um, you know, wheat side of the equation, the, the livestock side is, is yet to be seen. They've been battling that for a while. in, in some of these areas, right. I mean, that wasn't just a two or three day deal, this cold temperature and, snow and blizzard conditions uh you know we we're kind of two two and a half weeks running on some of this stuff so uh the the cattle side of this i am not sure the market uh the market's really kind of got through it um without you know a, a huge effect yet but i'm not so sure that you won't eventually see uh you know beef production um you know messed up a little bit because of these uh, cold and, and blizzard like conditions in some areas of the plains over the last couple of weeks well it'll be interesting to see how everything shakes out and and there could be some upsides and some some downsides to this whole thing too but you won't know any of that for a couple months so it'll be a, a slow a slow grind till we get to where we where we need to go here um so let's jump down and talk about what's going on in brazil they're harvesting now pretty well into it and, you know i think brazil's soybean harvest was at nine percent as of the 11th so they're still getting started up but they're uh they're they're off they're way behind from where they should be which i kind of take that with a grain of salt because the first good day they get they'll make that that other 10 percent up pretty fast but i guess as you take a look what's going on down there with the um kind of the flip in the weather where i went from being a fairly dry climate uh very a fairly dry growing season to uh now we're looking at some pretty wet areas of of uh of soybean country in brazil and trying to get corn planted and harvest and everything else going on what are your reactions to what's going on in brazil and argentina yeah the, well the market's uh, obviously watching that very very closely um a lot of uh implications there right uh number one uh too too wet late right you, you struggle with dry weather the whole season and you know murphy's law says okay now we finally need it to be dry uh you know at the end of the growing season where we can harvest you start getting too much rain <clears throat> so frustrating for those producers there obviously but uh you are also um you know where it's wet is is a big area of second crop corn and and so obviously the uh, the harvest being delayed there pushes that second crop corn planting back a little bit they have a pretty narrow window for that crop anyway 
and they need to get that crop in the ground um, in, in a timely manner, or they risk getting pushed into a real dry, dry uh, part of their uh, year <clears throat> with that you know, last part of the production on that, uh, on that second crop corn. So that's maybe one of the bigger implications. They'll get the beans out, like you said, and they'll catch back up, but are they going to be able to get that second crop corn in on a timely manner? And right now you can argue it's, uh, it's behind. And then in Argentina, uh, it's kind of like we were here is what I'm kind of trying to uh, sift through the, the, uh, the information and, and pick up a little bit, kind of like we were here in August. Was it like just blistering hot? But man, we couldn't buy a rain, and it seems like that's kind of how uh, the the end of the uh, Argentine growing season is is uh, is coming to pass. Is not really hot, but man, they uh, some of those areas are really really dry, and I can't help but think that that won't affect um, their you know yields when it's said and done. They're a little bit behind Brazil uh, normally uh, anyway, as far as their growing season uh, you know goes. They they plant later, they harvest later. So they haven't really started much harvest there. They're kind of, you know, in that August, September timeframe in a lot of those areas. So we're going to know more of that in a few weeks when Argentina starts harvesting. But it does look like they're uh, finishing out uh, on a, a real dry note in some of those areas. And hard to believe that won't affect ultimate production there uh, in Argentina, but just don't know that yet until they get into harvest here in a few weeks. The, the markets have just really kind of swarmed around that. If you watch what soybeans have done over the last, well, last five or six days, they've, they've climbed up high, really high. And kind of like we've talked about in the past, you know, there's this, there's these big swings in the marketplace and they're, uh, you got to feed the bull every day, like you said, a million times on here. And, and uh, I guess as you take a look at, at what's going on, when's that next correction going to come and what's that look like? And I guess as you look at the market chip, what are some of the drivers you think that are going to be in place that are going to say, hey, this is when that we're going to see that next big dip? Are they going to have to catch up and get in Brazil to kind of bring that market, calm that market down a little bit? Or is it, what's that line in the sand there for the market, I guess, when you start looking at the upward trends we're seeing? I, I think it is going to boil down to what the USDA said on this uh, February crop report uh, a week ago. And that is, um, you know, at 120 million bushel carryout on beans, there's no margin for air. Um you know, you think about that, and that's likely going to go a little bit lower uh, from from where it is currently at 120. But you know, whatever the number you say, 100, uh, 90, 110, whatever that number is, you spread that across the entire uh, Midwest. You know, from, from the plains through the Corn Belt, 120 ish million bushels of beans left in this country uh, at the uh, end of this growing season, right ahead of harvest. That's not many bushels to go around. That's what's going to be the underlying theme of this market the bean market you look at it on a chart you're like ah we're just kind of going sideways here uh but then you look at the scale of it um you know we're slopping around in essentially a dollar range here for the last three or four weeks making 50 60 cent swings you know back and forth just kind of chopping sideways and and uh you know I, I think that tight stock situation tightest ending stocks to use ratio that we've ever seen domestically uh means that the breaks might be severe and violent, but they probably won't last very long until we get closer to harvest and know we've got a, a crop coming. And that puts the, the bar uh, maybe unrealistically high as far as new crop production goes. So that's going to be the next item of this market has to make sure we're going to get the acres planted. And there's a lot of competition between crops. Now, beans uh, are just one you know of the, of the crop mix. Cotton has had a huge rally. It's in the mix in the South. Obviously, corn 
has strong demand. So this acreage mix, um, you know, we're going to be battling out the next few months uh, uh, is really going to be interesting on how that shapes out. Uh, I, you know, I just think that you're in for a, a pretty uh, volatile ride going forward. We've talked about that a lot. You're, you're seeing that. But I don't think this tight sock situation and the uncertainty in um, South America and, you know, the world right now, um, I think the only way you can cut that is that we're going to continue to see massive swings. I, I would, being a betting man uh, that I am, I would bet that you haven't seen the highs yet in, in beans. But, you know, do we have to wait till June, July, August to, to see new highs uh, and maybe challenge $15 or, or, or higher? Um, you know, it might be down the road, uh, but I, I would bet that you haven't seen the highs. It's just how are we gonna how are we gonna get from from where we're at currently to those new highs? Might really uh, be you know cause a lot of uh, indigestion and heartburn on this thing. So uh, I, I think you're gonna continue to see what we have seen, and that's big swings. Uh, you know, just case in point of the overnight. Right at one point, you had beans up over twenty cents last night. They're you know up nine right now corn's up two and a quarter that was up almost 15 cents at one point it's just going to be par for the course might go lower six or eight cents lower uh, on the day and uh, you know close 10 or 12 higher we're going to see days like that but i think that the tightness of stocks and the size the sheer size of demand means that any breaks are going to be probably temporary and and you know uncover a lot of buying interest um, until we are really sure that we've got a big crop coming on big acres here this coming uh, summer and fall. Been a lot of momentum in the hog market here of late. Kind of look what you see happen last week. They had new contract highs and and across the board, even in cutouts and everything else. So I guess as you take a look at, at what's going on in the hog market, it seems like there's some pretty good momentum in the hog market right now. Uh, it really does, <clears throat> and that came out of uh, of nowhere too, right? It's kind of like the the, the storm right. and the and the blizzard and like, okay, we knew, we knew demand was going to be good. And, you know, we had some production issues, um, you know, from a year ago, uh, you know, the whole COVID shutdown of a year ago, we know those were out there, but we weren't quite sure when they're going to show up. Well, they showed up with a vengeance and, and they're here right now. And, um, you know, I think there's a lot of things going on. Number one, a lot of pent up demand We're starting to see that, uh, China says that they're, you know, 90 plus percent back to their, um, you know, their numbers pre-African uh, swine uh, flu. Uh, I think that that's probably a little bit suspect given the, the demand and the, um, you know, the imports of U.S. Uh, pork that they're taking. Um, so a lot going in into it, but bottom line is huge rally we've seen recently uh, in the hogs. There's a lot of, uh, of news flowing around um, uh, in, in the Twitter sphere, uh, you know, so you can only believe that, uh, you know, as far as you can throw it in some cases, but a lot of talk um, that there's a lot of empty hog barns out there, more so than normal, right? There's always hog barns with, you know, cleaning and, and uh, you know, some of the maintenance stuff they have to do. But it, it appears that uh, out in the, you know, Iowa, uh, you know, Minnesota area, that there's a lot more uh, uh, empty hog barns than normal. Uh, you know, arguably there's, there's other, um, you know, multitude of reasons for that, but point being production, lower demand, higher, it's kind of what you're seeing here in the, on the grain side too. And that's a powerful combination for sharply higher prices. You're starting to see that, you know, some of these summer months, yeah, the June, uh, you know, um, over 92, uh, at the end of last week. Um, so 
arguably there's some more room for upside, especially on these summer months. You're going to see, you know, the magic, uh, uh, hundred level, uh, exceeded. I, I would guess that you would on the, on the July and August hogs at some point, you're not even into the main part. Um, you know, seasonally you, you get into the summer, uh, months and, and that's when things, you know, get really, really tight as far as, uh, you know, the production and, you know, that normal summer seasonal of, uh, of lower production. If this demand stays like where it looks like it is right now or increases going into spring and summer, can be very explosive for summer month hogs and might not have even seen the, uh, uh you know, uh, anything close to what we're going to see. It doesn't mean you're going to go straight up though. Uh, you, I, I think livestock markets, cattle and hogs, both are going to start taking on a, uh, a, more of a, uh, volatile tone like the grain markets have and get really, really, uh, choppy and, and large whipsaws going forward. But, uh, look at a chart right now and boy, these hogs, they made up a lot of room in a hurry and look like they've got uh, more to go on the summer months here before it's said and done. They're definitely headed in a very upward direction, especially, like you said, moving into what we see out there. So, And, you know, a lot of these exports that we're seeing right now, well, you know, it looks like Egypt hiked its soybeans imports, you know, relying heavily on the U.S. on, on getting soybeans from us. And, and what we see with China and those kind of places where, where there, you know, a lot of hog exports and those kind of things are going to. The U.S. dollar, it's where it's at right now, is making it very attractive for the world to come buy U.S. Uh, ag uh, commodities, no doubt about it. Yeah, and, and you throw into all that, right? I mean, that's fundamentally production lower, demand higher. But then you throw uh, that dollar in there and, you know, some of the stimulus that we're uh, putting into the economy, not just here, but across the world. And, and you know, you kind of spark the... the uh, the flames of inflation on top of what's already a bullish situation, um, you know, on some of these commodities. And this thing could get, um, you know, downright stupid before it's said and done. And so that all looks like it's bubbling under the surface. You, you read more and more of that, um, you know, talk in financial press and, and, uh, you know, some of these, uh, different, uh, outlets, as far as uh, financial news, inflation starting to be that, that hot button, what, what a lot of those people don't understand already is that at least on the grain side uh, and, and, and livestock side, some of our commodities are, are already into large bull markets in their own right because of the demand and because of shrinking supplies and, you know, the dollar keeps dropping. This thing's going to uh, really get crazy. Well, Chip, pay hey, good information here. Folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what it is that you do at Blue Reef or just have a plan that they're working on and might need some guidance on, on how to get that plan started or adjusted. What's the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, best way is just call our office at 309-550-7213. We'd be uh, happy to talk to you. The uh, that, that plan and the execution part of a risk management plan is more critical than ever. And, and uh, it uh, you know if you need just an extra set of eyes and ears, just reach out to us. We'd love to talk to you. Well, I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you're going to find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast when they get posted. Also, any blogs that I have posted will show up there as well. Go over to movingironllc.com and you can get all the information about the Moving Iron Podcast and the blogs that I post as well there. But also check out the Moving Iron Summit that's coming up in Nashville, Tennessee, September 15th through the 17th. All the information that you need to find about the about the summit will be there um room reservations registering for the meeting the agenda the speakers all the stuff that you need to find is right there so uh, check that out if you're a dealer of any kind 
check that out and i'd love to see you guys in nashville this fall check out dryline farm podcast brent and landon will keep you laughing throughout the day and they're uh, pretty entertaining with what they do so with that i am casey seymour with chip nellinger let's go with some iron folks out you want to have a meaningful competitive advantage to help sell more equipment whether you represent the sales parts or management department of an implement dealership there's a surprising amount of complexity when it comes to tire wheel and track technology let axon worry about that so you can get back to supporting your customers axon has leveraged years of experience to create a streamlined process that gives you a proven path to help today's grower and sell more equipment the roots of their organization go back almost 100 years to the invention of the rubber tractor tire. Supporting agriculture is the number one driver of Axon from product development through sales and service. To find more or become an Axon dealer, head over to axontire.com. in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Time and time again Through the years you'll find us here